Well, hello everybody. I'm Bob Frank and welcome to Blues You Should Know. Now for the past seven episodes, I've been telling you that our series on King Records was going to be seven episodes long. Well, I lied. I couldn't do it. There's just too much great material on King and too many great artists that we missed. So this episode is going to be called King 7.1. And we're going to begin with champion Jack Dupree. Jack Dupree was a fascinating character. He was born in New Orleans around 1910. His father was born in the Belgian Congo, and his mother was half Cherokee and half African American. Dupree was orphaned at age eight. This would have been 1918, so it's likely they perished in the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. He was sent to the Colored Waifs Home, an orphanage, the same orphanage that Louis Armstrong grew up in about 10 years earlier. Champion Jack Dupree became a boxer, won several Golden Gloves championships, and that's why he adopted the name Champion to his name. During World War II, Jack was a cook in the United States Navy. He was taken prisoner and survived two years as a Japanese POW. In 1960, he moved to Europe where he recorded, performed, and married several times. And during the course of his European recording career, he recorded with the likes of John Mayo, Mick Taylor, Eric Clapton, and the band. Now, you might think this might make the topic of an interesting movie, and it did. There's a 1975 film called Barrel House Blues, Feelings and Situations, that I believe you can find on YouTube. So let's begin with Champion Jack Dupree, The Blues Got Me Rockin'. And then we're going to hear from Baby Boy Warren. Baby Boy Warren was a major fixture of the Detroit blues scene. The Detroit blues sound was kind of a Chicago blues sound without any of the frills. It was very deep, very intense, and not very fancy. So we're going to hear Champion Jack Dupree doing The Blues Got Me Rockin' and Baby Boy Warren doing Forgive Me Darling. Rocking from side to side Yes, the blues got me rocking Rocking from side to side Well, I lost a good woman And you know I ain't satisfied Thank you. 
And I have the blues every night I get the blues every day And I have the blues every night The reason why I have the blues Baby, you just won't treat me right Does anybody remember Answer Songs? Answer Songs were records that came out in response to another record. Probably the most famous Answer Song was It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels 
by Kitty Wells, which was an answer to the song Wild Side of Life. And typically an answer song meant that uh, a woman was responding to a man's record about how badly he was mistreated, and she's explaining why. Well, this one's a little different. This is an answer song to Hank Ballard's Work With Me, Annie, and Annie Had a Baby. It's by Linda Hayes and the Platters, and the song is called My Name Ain't Annie. So here's Linda Hayes, backed by the popular vocal group The Platters, with My Name Ain't Annie. Welcome back to Blues You Should Know. I'm Bob Frank, and this is our extra edition, our additional program on the music of King Records, which we're calling King Records 7.1. I'd like to read from an interview with John Hartley Fox. He's the author of the book King of Queen City, the definitive book so far out on the story of King Records and Sid Nathan. I'm going to read this because he really kind of comes up with some interesting information on Sid and some pretty good insights as to the kind of person he was. So I'll begin right now. These are the words of John Hartley Fox. When I talked to people about Sid Nathan, the word that invariably came up was character, as in he was a real character. 
He was kind of like someone out of a short story. He was tight with a penny, but generous sometimes. He was ahead of the race line, culturally and politically, but could tell the crudest racist joke. He was a fun guy, but abrasive and abusive, and could push people around to the brink of mayhem. A lot of people got mad at Sid Nathan, but few stayed mad at him. He was gregarious and loved to be surrounded by people. He was the guy holding court in the corner booth at the bar. In talking to people who worked for and knew Sid Nathan, everyone respected him. Everyone had Sid stories. It is rare to find anybody who will badmouth Sid Nathan these days. I think that's partly out of nostalgia, but I also think that on a day-to-day basis, he was probably a really good guy. There are several stories about Sid's anger, but I think he used those temper tantrums in the studio to get results out of people. He was trying to get the artist fired up. If he thought there was a spark missing from the performance, he would pick a fight to get the artist fired up. I think these fights were calculated because Sid never held a grudge and no one stayed mad. Compared to Leonard Chess or Barry Gordy, Sid Nathan was certainly more expansive musically than either man. He didn't want to limit himself to one style of music. He wanted to try it all. I really don't know this for sure, but I think Sid was probably a little more progressive on race matters than Leonard Chess. I often thought of this while researching the book. At King, Henry Glover would write songs, play on sessions, and produce. He was a highly valued vice president of the company. At Chess, Willie Dixon filled many of the same roles, but his day job was as a janitor at Chess. I'd long heard a rumor that during World War II, Nathan had 30 or 40 Japanese Americans working for him. I thought that was unusual because on the West Coast, these people were being sent to internment camps. When I asked someone who knew Sid at a book signing, he told me Sid was working with a religious political action group trying to relocate people about to be interred. Sid accepted about 30 to 40 families. They were American citizens, but if they'd stayed at home, they would have been locked up. Sid moved them all to Cincinnati, where they lived in an apartment complex on the bus line so they could come into King and work each day. And those are the words of John Hartley Fox. So Sid was someone who, like Branch Rickey, did well by doing good. He did a good deed, but profited by that good deed. He had some great workers, probably very loyal. Well, the one type of music Sid always said he didn't care for was jazz. Yet there was a pretty good amount of jazz that came out on King Records. Let's hear two right now. Let's hear Johnny Pate doing the Swinging Shepherd Blues. He was a flautist, a flute player. And then we're going to hear Eddie Lockjaw Davis, a great tenor man, doing the song Scotty Boo. I want to point out that one reason Sid probably released a lot of jazz was that jazz singles were big on jukeboxes in cafes and bars that catered to the African-American community. So he would have released a lot of these in 45 or 78 form. He didn't particularly go for the long-form jazz that you would have heard on Blue Note or labels like that. So here are Johnny Pate, Swingin' Shepherd Blues, and Eddie Lockjaw Davis doing Scotty Boo.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bob Frank. This is Blues You Should Know, and this is King Records 7.1, our additional program to our King series featuring artists and music that we just couldn't fit in anywhere else. There's just so much great stuff on King. One of the reasons for King's success was that they were completely self-contained. Everything was done in the King building at 1532 Brewster Avenue in Cincinnati. The recording studios and offices were on the second floor, and the first floor contained a manufacturing facility where they cut the lacquers and made the masters and pressed all the records and printed the covers. The only thing they didn't do themselves at King was make the little white paper sleeves that went inside the records. Everything else was made in-house. This meant they were immune to some of the tactics of the independent record companies of the age. These guys were crafty characters, characters like Leonard Chess at Chess and the Bahari Brothers at Modern and Art Rupert Specialty. They knew a million and a half ways to sabotage their competition. And a lot of that sabotage involved preventing an artist or preventing a record company from getting the artist's records pressed and physically put into record stores and into the hands of DJ operators and radio stations. These were the kind of tactics that put Lillian McMurray at trumpet out of business. Lillian McMurray was a genteel Southern lady, and she just wasn't ready for the kind of shenanigans that these guys would pull on her. So everything at King was done in-house. Hey, one kind of music that we really haven't paid much attention to so far was rockabilly. Rockabilly is an interesting musical form because it's a little like ska. Its commercial viability wasn't around very long, but yet it seems to get revived quite a bit in the modern age. So we're going to hit, hear a couple of the original rockabilly hits. We're going to begin with Charlie Feathers, a rockabilly legend, doing Nobody's Woman. And then we're going to hear from a fellow named Hard Rock Gunter. He was a guitarist from Birmingham, Alabama. One of the things that King did, I, I'm not sure if they pioneered, pioneered this or not, but they would take a DJ copy of a record and print little interesting factotums about the artist on the record. And I'm going to read you what's on one of Hard Rock Gunter's records. This is printed right onto the record label. Born in Birmingham, Alabama, Hard Rock Gunter graduated from high school, and at graduation in a class of 256, he served as president of the class. 
He was a cadet colonel of the ROTC, the highest cadet officer in the state, and was honored with 14 medals in ROTC, including the William Randolph Hearst Trophy Medal, won in the National ROTC Rifle Matches in 1942. Well, good going, Hard Rock Gunter. So here he is. Here's Charlie Feathers with Nobody's Woman and ROTC star Hard Rock Gunter with I Give Em Rhythm. Now this world holds its sorrows It stands without a doubt But where there is no women You can really count out Because I got a woman She's nobody's woman But mine She's nobody's woman Nobody's woman But mine Sky above. I don't know what to do 
Cause I'm so sad and blue There's not a way for me to go But give it to them too I'll give them rhythm 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 with a solid beat Well, there ain't no news like rhythm and blues Look what it's done to me Think I can never be the same And you can see just why It makes me feel so doggone sad That I could have a cry I wanna sing my country songs The way I used to do I really love the old time way But what am I to do? I tried it through these years And now look at my tears It kills my soul to pick for gold But that's how it appears I'll give them rhythm, rhythm, rhythm with a solid beat. Well, there ain't no news like rhythm and blues. Look what it's done to me. So now this brings us to the category we're going to call jazz novelties. Interesting jazz recordings with kind of a humorous bent to them. And we're going to begin with an interesting character called Babs Gonzalez. Babs Gonzalez, his real name was Lee Brown. He was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1919. When he was young, he moved to L.A. And his way of rebelling against Jim Crow was to wear a turban and call himself Ram Singe, passing off as an Indian national. He worked for a while at the L.A. Country Club and eventually became the personal chauffeur to Errol Flynn. In the 40s, he worked as a band boy or valet to Charlie Barnett and the Lionel Hampton orchestras. A band boy was similar to what we would today call a roadie. Eventually, he moved to New York, where he became kind of a spokesman for the new bebop movement. He formed a group called Babs, Three Bips, and a Bop, which at various times included names like Tad Dameron, Sonny Rollins, Roy Haynes, Winton Kelly, and Benny Green. Not too bad. He hated the term scat singer, though. I'm going to read you a quote from him. I am a jazz singer. Scat is a technical way of interpreting a melody by paraphrasing it by means of onomatopoeia. The scat singers do not improvise. I do not stop improvising like an instrumentalist. I improvise on the harmonic frame and use chords of passage. He also recorded a number of spoken word pieces using bebop vocabulary. Babs Gonzalez wrote two books. He operated a nightclub in Harlem called Babs Insane Asylum, and later on he owned a nightclub in Paris. Babs died in 1980. After Babs Gonzalez, we're going to hear from another great raspy-voiced vocalist, Hot Lips Page. Hot Lips was a one-time Count Basie trumpet player who also recorded a number of humorous songs. He also recorded what I consider at least to be the all-time greatest version of Baby It's Cold Outside with Pearl Bailey. So right now we're going to hear two of these jazz novelty pieces from Babs Gonzalez. And whether or not this is the right time of year for this, I don't know. But we're going to hear Bebop Santa Claus. 
And then we'll hear Hot Lips Page with Casanova Cricket. Twas the black before Christmas, and all through the dawn, the scene was deserted but for old pops and mom. There they sat hung in their big easy chair, goofed on eggnog, sherry, and beer. Sis and little Junior lie snoozing in bed, while visions of Cadillacs dance in their heads. Moms jumped up and said, Pops, let's quit it to bed. We can't let Santa dig us with our eyes all red. Then out on the stoop, ooh-wee, such a clatter. Pops fled to the porthole to see what was the matter. His heart did the jumps and he fell straight back when his glimmers fell on a red Cadillac. Stashed in front was a cat cool as any with a red beaver hat and a red cashmere benny. His ground pads were suede shoes and his red tweed vine caused heavy dues. He wore a red on red shirt and a white mink tie, some crazy rim glasses that covered one eye. Old Pop's peepers grew large, round, and white as he dug this crazy vista on Christmas Eve night. The cat leaped from his short and he laid down his sack. He began wailing like mad, the cool Applejack. Then up to the rooftops, the cat like flew, and the cat in red followed on through. Pops was wig behind this crazy scene, and before he was straight, down came the cat right through the chimney grate. A bag of jive he had on his back as he stood digging Pops, who was blowing his stack. His eyeballs were hid by some cold black shades. When Pops dug this action, he knew this cat was made. A king-sized cigarette hung from his chops as he eased up close and sounded on Pops. I'm the bebop Santa from the cool North Pole, and I've been down since the days of old. I'm known all over from here to eternity, and a stud's mighty square if he don't dig me. So cast thy peepers into my righteous bag and see what insane object I shall lay on thee. Here's a record by Dez, cut when he was two, a real boss arrangement of Ooyaku. For mom's a mink outfit, Chanel number five, and for you little kitties, my new book on jive. So that's it, Pops, Santa did shout. Then he buttoned his cashmere and quickly cut out. Poor Pops was wigging and he was out of his head to dig this wild character who wore all the red. He ran to the table to cop him a drink to quiet his nerves and to help him to think. Just then from below he heard a voice shout, have a crazy cool Christmas, but don't get knocked out.
fussing over cricket Why for goodness sakes Don't you know you're keeping decent folks away Casanova cricket, it just ain't right Sleeping all day, all night Casanova cricket, any time you learn He that play with file get his britches burned Go find yourself another place to kiss and hug You're just a kissing bug Welcome back. I'm Bob Frank. This is Blues You Should Know, and our program today is King Records 7.1, because our seven-part series on King Records just wasn't enough to contain all the great music that came out on King Records. Let's get back to the blues right now. We're going to hear first from Sonny Thompson. Sonny Thompson was a wonderful pianist, kind of played in that uh, oh behind-the-beat style that Lloyd Glenn played in. Sonny Thompson worked at King as an arranger, as a scout, as a composer. He was one of the executives at King. And he you probably know him best for his work backing Freddie King. He's the one playing that wonderful propulsive piano style behind Freddie King. But he recorded quite a number of tunes on his own for the label. Here's Blues Mambo. Then we're going to hear from Styx McGee. Styx McGee is primarily known for two things. First, being Brownie McGee's younger brother, and second, for the song Drinkin' Wine Spodiote, which was a major hit on the Atlantic label. But he also recorded for King. So we're going to hear Sonny Thompson doing Blues Mambo, and then Styx McGee doing Whiskey Women and Loaded Dice, all on King Records. Thank you. 
Friday. I knew Lord and Miss Claudine thought she was the sweetest girl in town. She began to call me honey. I began to spend my money. Walk right in a juice joint, then sit down. Oh well, I must confess. Oh well, I must confess. Boys, you better take my advice. A whiskey and women and loaded dice will keep you in a mess. I put a nickel in the vendor. Said, hey, Mr. Bartender, bring us another round. We started into dancing. I said, how about romancing? She said, you'd better put that money down. Oh well, I must confess. Oh well, I must confess. Boys, you better take my advice. Whiskey and women and loaded dice will keep you in a mess. To my satisfaction, I wanted to see some action. Showed me to that hole right in that wall. I bet. A dollar and ten, I roll those dice, they begin to spin. Snake eyes was the first thing they did call. Oh well, I must confess. Oh well, I must confess. Boys, you better take my advice. Whiskey and women and loaded dice will keep you in a mess. Confess. Oh well, I must confess. Boys, you better take my advice. Whiskey and women and loaded dice will keep you in a mess. Well, if there's any kind of music that we've given short shrift to on this program, it's R&B vocal harmony music. We haven't played too much of it. A lot of it doesn't hold up real well today, but some of it's pretty great. We're going to play a couple right now. We're going to begin with Otis Williams and the Charms doing Walkin' After Midnight. And yes, this is the same song that Patsy Cline had a mega hit of. Remember, this is kind of a oh a trademark of King Records, taking an R&B hit and covering it by a country band and taking a country hit and covering it by an R&B band. And here's a pretty good example of that. Then we're going to hear from Erskine Hawkins and the Four Hawks doing My Baby Please, a really bluesy piece from 1953. Erskine Hawkins was a trumpet player and band leader who you might remember from the big hit After Hours, which was so popular in its day that it was referred to as the Negro National Anthem. But this is a little bit different. It's a, it's a vocal harmony piece called My Baby Please. So here are Otis Williams and the Charms doing Walking After Midnight and Erskine Hawkins and his four hawks, My Baby Please. I go out walking after midnight. Moonlight 
Hey, did you know that Otis Redding had a record on King Records? Well, he did, and the record is Shout Bama Lama, and there's an interesting story here. Shout Bama Lama was Otis Redding's very first recording. It was done in 1961 for, are you ready for this, Confederate Records, <laughs> a label owned by Bobby Smith, who was soon convinced that if he was going to sell records in the R&B market, he should change the name of the label. So he changed it to Orbit Records. So it was released again by Orbit, and then bought by Bethlehem Records, and then by Polydor Records, and then by King Records, who released it in 1968. You may be familiar with this song if you've seen the movie Pretty in Pink. It was used quite a bit in that film. So here's Otis Redding with his one recording for King Records' Shout Bama Lama. Welcome back to Blues You Should Know. I'm Bob Frank. And folks, we have finally come to the end of our multi-part series on the great music of King Records. King Records really didn't outlive its owner, Sid Nathan. He died in 1968. And since there was no real plan for succession, the company was broken up and sold off at the beginning to Starday Records of Nashville, who again pieced it out, and some of it went to Gusto Records. And you can get re-releases today on some of the re-release labels, particularly some of those out of Europe, but there hasn't been a real clear line of, of, of re-releases the way there has, has been for other labels like Chess. We're going to finish up with one of the more interesting and unusual acts to record for King Records, the Tokyo Happy Coats. The Tokyo Happy Coats consisted of five Japanese sisters, Aiko, Kiko, Shoko, Tomiko, and Ruriko Hakamore. It's believed that between them, they played more than 26 different instruments. 
They made at least one appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show and were a popular lounge act in Las Vegas. They even have their own Facebook fan page if you want to check that out. We're going to take things out with their version of Stevie Wonder's Uptight. So this has been Blues You Should Know, King Records 7.1. That makes eight programs on King Records. Well, folks, if you've liked our series and if you liked our programs, please give us a like or a kind word in the comments section or the review section. We've got some great programs coming up. But for now, we're going to say goodbye. I'm Bob Frank. This is Blues You Should Know. And let's get it on with the Tokyo Happy Coach. Uptight. Oh, my heart.